The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Are you a healthcare professional looking to translate psychedelic research into practice? Then register for Psychedelic Harm Reduction and Integration, a professional training offered by psychologist Elizabeth Nielsen and Ingmar Gorman at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York, May 24th through 26th. Earn 12 continuing education credits as you discover how to better support clients who have an interest in psychedelics. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. Welcome to the Miracle of Healing, where we come together every week to discuss and discover a roadmap to healing. I'm your host, Lisa Campion, and I hope you can join us since the world needs all the healing it can get, and we are healing the planet one person at a time, right here on Mind, Body, Spirit FM. Hey everyone, I'm Lisa Campion and this is the Miracle of Healing. I don't know if you've ever been in this situation, I know I have for sure, but caring for somebody with addiction or mental health issues can really bring us to the brink of what we think we can handle. It can push us to the very, very, very edges of even thinking we can survive the day. Good thing we have people like Pamela Brinker. She's going to share with us her personal personal experiences that she's been through to help create caring and guidelines for those of us who are dealing with loved ones that are struggling with either addictions or mental health issues and really learn how to navigate that emotional roller coaster that we find ourselves in when we're caring for for people that are really struggling. And she has, you know, she's been through a lot. She's really, really brave. Her book is incredible. It's called Conscious Bravery. And talk about conscious bravery, you know, revealing her story and really living through her own life was to me incredibly inspiring. So welcome to the show, Pamela. I'm so glad that you're here and that we're having this conversation because it's very important. Thank you very much. I'm really honored to be here. Yeah. So your story, I did, I just say cried a little bit, you know, when I was reading your own story about what you've been through, um, I was just like, mm-hmm. Oh my God, like how I was so touched and that you were so honest in, in sharing some of the struggles and losses that you've had in your life. Tell us a little bit about, about that. If you don't mind sharing. So many people I've worked with keep the pain and the fear and the panic they live with a secret. Because they don't want to burden their friends. And since I went through that myself, I wanted to be able to offer not just tools and practices that work in becoming braver as we walk alongside our loved ones and those who struggle with addiction, substance use, and mental health. But I wanted to help people know you're not alone and to help our listeners, people who read my book, um, people that I train and work with, I want people to be able to know it's okay to ask for help and to speak up and not only to, to try to partner with and help those we love who are struggling, but to really work on ourselves and not even just work on ourselves, but to lovingly bring compassionate awareness to our experience. And that's when we can do that, we can offer that as a light to those we care about. Hmm. Yeah, that's so beautiful. And I mean, I think like when we are working, you know, care, taking care of or that we're parents or we have in our family members, uh, people that have mental health and addictions, there's, there's a lot of shame around it, right? I mean, there's shame for the people that are going through it. There's shame around 
having a person in your life who's struggling with those things. And I feel like we, so we hide it, you know, we try to put a good face on it. We don't really share kind of the, the depth of it, of what our experiences and what our loved ones are experiencing. And yet it's so incredibly common. It's so, I mean, we all, we all know, we all know people that have addictions and have mental health issues because it's so common. So how can we kind of overcome the shame that even makes us maybe talk about it? The first step in overcoming shame or guilt is to bring compassionate awareness into our own experience all of the time, during the calm moments, during the in-betweens, the challenging times, and even through the most harrowing circumstances. So we build a practice, a habit of compassionate and conscious awareness of what's happening in our bodies, in our hearts, in our minds, in the energy space around us. And so I teach what, what I call developing whole being awareness. Lisa. Mm -hmm. And for your listeners, this is a really simple thing. We do a whole being scan. And this is just neurobiology in simple terms. <laughs> so the neurobiology is that how we do what you're describing, how do we become brave? How do we overcome shame? Is we learn to rewire. We learn to work with our autonomic nervous system. Our sympathetic nervous system is what most people know it as. The fight, freeze, uh, fight or freeze, feign death basically, or curl up, curl up in a ball and feign death <laughs> or run, right? So fight, yeah. freeze or run. We want to, to not just go, oh my gosh, that's happening. I need to avoid it. We want to know what's going on and say, okay, wow, I'm really struggling right here. I want to become immobilized. I'm going to breathe through it. And so we first bring that compassion awareness into our experience and breathe consciously with awareness that our bodies are just trying to service well to keep us away from danger. We're feeling this threat of shame or this threat of what our loved ones is experiencing, or maybe it's guilt, maybe it's shock, right? Mm. And so we, we come into our own experience with a pause <laughs> and breathe consciously and be right here, right now, noticing mm. what's happening. We train ourselves to experience what's happening rather than avoid it. And then we can reset and we can rewire. And so we basically become friends with all of our feelings. There's no feeling that's bad. I just teach that feelings are either more challenging or less challenging. And so <laughs> if we're feeling shame or overwhelm, we can say, oh, wow, that's happening. I've got this overwhelm going on. I'm feeling like I should have done something differently, or I wish that my loved one weren't struggling, or I wish I hadn't said that mean thing when I was really activated. So we bring calm to that, compassionate awareness, and that helps us get basically back to the part of our brain that can operate more clearly and make better decisions. And then we can say, okay, I'm going to forgive myself for that, and I'm going to move forward now. Now what's the next step? You said something that I was so interesting in your book too, that I didn't realize um, until you said it, that this is the thing, but that it's, it's actually like possible to have a good life even and enjoy your life and be happy. Even if you have a loved one that's str struggling with mental health or addiction issues. And you know, there's that sort of old, I have three kids and my kids are adults and they're, you know, they struggle. There's always one of them. Like if I just have one of them, that's, struggling um sometimes all of them are or two of them are, you know it's, it seems impossible to get to a point where they're all okay at the same time that just doesn't seem to happen 
and and that kind of idea of like oh you're only as as happy as your most miserable child you know that that's kind of a saying I remember my mom saying that and so when you said oh you're we're allowed to be happy and have a life even when our family our loved ones are struggling that I was like oh dang like you know how many people I wonder feel like it's not okay to be happy and have a life Oh, it's such a high percentage and you've described it so well. Even if we have kids that are adult children that don't have addictions or mental health challenges, we still, as parents and moms, worry about them at times. And that's normal. So we want to embrace that, that feeling too. But we don't want to define ourselves by our situations or circumstances or by theirs. And right. so absolutely one of the chapters in my book and something I teach all the time is that we want to find a foundation of contentment and guard our happiness and even bring lightness and play into our worlds. In fact, that's in the in in the neuroscience it's called co-regulation, right? So I look at you and I see your smiling face and I feel a little bit better. But I don't want to define myself through you. I don't want to have to depend on a friend to make me feel better, right? I want to be able to have, and and this is part of conscious bravery, we cultivate this innate capacity to reset and find our strength from both within ourselves, from turning to others, from something greater, source or God or nature, Mm -hmm. whatever we want to call what's huge in this universe. And we want to be able to turn to those three things. I call it the the triad of connection. It's my little triangle. So we resource from within, we resource from others, but we also resource from something greater. And that helps us not define ourselves by how our loved ones are doing. So absolutely, we can have two emotions or two experiences that are simultaneous going on at the same time or more. We could be absolutely content because we're in love with life. We love nature. We love that we just laughed with a friend. But our spouse or a child can be having a relapse or can be Mm -hmm. in the hospital receiving treatment and maybe contemplating suicide or wondering if they're ever going to be able to get off of meth. And so we feel their pain, but we're able to put kind of a permeable bubble around ourselves saying, I can't make that change for them. I can only bring compassion and awareness to their experience, send them love, send them prayers, walk alongside them, and I can bring that to myself. And so it's absolutely crucial that we live vibrant lives because how can we help our loved ones become happier and see that they don't have to use substances as the answer to their pain if we can't? We've got to be able to do that. (laughs) I mean, that's such a beautiful thing. Let's talk about the title of your book for a minute, Conscious Bravery, and why consciousness? I mean, we all know what consciousness is, but why do we? Why are we bringing these two things together, conscious bravery, as the as the ingredients that we need to to really handle these situations? Most of us think of consciousness as a higher level of awareness when we're content or happy, or we're meditating and we've got this mm-hmm. great vibe going on and. We're really tapped into presence. But consciousness for me is more expansive. It's awake awareness, even during the devastating moments, even during the most harrowing circumstances. We're alive and aware of what's happening. Like, I'm really shocked or, oh, I've been crying my heart out. You were saying you were crying reading my book. 
some of the things that I've heard from other people since I wrote this book, people who DM me are absolutely horrendous. Mm. People who've lost loved ones and how they've passed and people whose loved ones have struggled and have been in the hospital or have been homeless. It's just harrowing to listen to. And so we want to be able to have the ability to be aware of our experience and be conscious, but bring that capacity for strength and tenacity and tenderness to our experience. And that to me is what conscious bravery is. It's, I, I like to say conscious bravery isn't always tough as nails, that bravery can look like softness and sound like stillness. So it's tenacity and daring and the ability to jump in and help and drive five hours in the middle of the night to our loved one if they need our support. Or it's the ability to, to have the awareness to be patient and wait and not have to do, not have to react. So we train ourselves in this. That's so beautiful. And the, when you were talking about consciousness, it of course, you know, we think about like our sort of super conscious awareness, right? But I, I think what I heard, just heard you say that really hit me was we don't look away, you know, and the tendency to look away from what's going on when someone's going down or they're really struggling, it's like, I don't, I don't want to watch, you mm. know? So mm. I, I can't, I can't be present for this. Right. Mm. And probably in order to be present for it, we really need a ton of bravery of that bravery of showing up in the mo moment by moment in all the ways that we can. Mm, you said that so well, Lisa. Yes. So we practice in the calm moments, in yoga, in meditation, on walks, listening to a friend in their pain and breathing. And we might not know what to say or do, but we make contact and keep that contact. We look in each other's eyes and we feel each other's energy and we offer compassion and empathy. We show up. We show we keep, up. Repeatedly. We keep showing up. Yes. And we show up for ourselves because you're so right. It's tough for us to be with ourselves when we wish we were stronger and we're falling apart. But I just say, just say it. Just say, oh my gosh, you know, this moment I'm falling apart. Huh? Here I am. Now there's this. Now this moment, there's this. Wow. I didn't expect it. Came out of the blue, the way I'm experiencing this, but we notice what's happening in our bodies and hearts and our minds and our, what, what our intuition is saying to us. And we tune into and we befriend all of these experiences that we have. And then it sounds like it's self-centered, but then we're so much better able to be compassionately present for someone that we care about and walk alongside them with what they're needing. Wow, Pamela, I'm loving this conversation so much, but let's take a really quick break. Are you a healthcare professional looking to translate psychedelic research into practice? Then register for Psychedelic Harm Reduction and Integration, a professional training offered by psychologist Elizabeth Nielsen and Ingmar Gorman at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York, May 24th through 26. Earn 12 continuing education credits as you discover how to better support clients who have an interest in psychedelics. Learn more at eomega.org thrive. So we are here with Pamela Brinker and talking about her amazing book, Conscious Bravery, Caring for Someone with Addiction. And 
Pamela, I wanted to ask you, you, you made sort of a bold choice, I feel, to not really talk about codependency or use the concept or word codependency in your book. Can you share why you did that? A lot of the people I've worked with over all the years are just loving parents trying to figure out how to do what's best. And they're not overly managing. You know, they're coming in during crises to help their loved ones who are asking for help. And so I don't believe codependency is a disease. I believe that it's, uh, and I've seen this in the research too, we we can enable certainly and do things that aren't healthy for our loved ones and we can overmanage them, but we can always change. We can rewire. They're trying to, you know, the loved ones that are in our lives are trying to do these whole soul makeovers and they're experiencing either a brain disorder or some sort of huge challenge. Right. Mm-hmm. And so we want to know that we can change as well. And it, I find it, so much more helpful to to work on and address what's actually happening in the present moment. Look at my history. What have I done in the past? How has that not served me? And then make changes accordingly. And that's what I've seen my clients do successfully over the years, rather than perpetuating a belief that they will always be this way and they have to kind of fight themselves. Instead, we want to to make friends with ourselves and notice our tendencies and use that awareness to make changes. <laughs> That's great. So kind of like the liberation of removing that label. Yeah. Um, it's kind of a heavy one, you know? Yes. We want to go beyond codependency into just yeah. kind of conscious awareness with compassion and, and strength to do right. what's needed. That's great. That's, I love that. And I know you have some really concrete steps, like a process that you help people find this conscious bravery. So let's talk about your, your pillars, your steps. The, uh, the very primary pillar of conscious bravery is to learn how to consciously breathe. That is the tool that we can use anytime, any place. If we're disrupted, agitated, frustrated, angry, anxious, panicked, no matter what, we can come into our experience and take a deep breath in. That's a conscious breath. Conscious meaning we're bringing that alert awareness. And then we exhale. And the power of the exhale is tremendous. (laughs) And so either, lots of times we're either activated, you know, meaning we're panicked or anxious and we're already really vamped up. Or we're depressed and we need to bring some aliveness to our experience. So conscious breathing helps us either raise up or kind of come down. And so you started to do it in our listeners. When you said it, I was like, I forgot to breathe for a minute. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe we can all do it for a moment. Everybody can just tune in. Notice what's happening in your body, your mind, your heart as you breathe in with conscious awareness and compassion. And then let it go with a huge exhale. And you might want to close your eyes and do it again. And bring that conscious awareness into your experience, noticing what's happening, what's jumping out at you in your energy or your intuition, your emotions, and then breathing out with kindness and strength. So that's one of the first pillars. You know, we all did it. It takes just a very short amount of time. But did you notice a shift? Totally. You felt so much better. I just, I felt more grounded, more settled. I felt, 
more connected. I, you know, can feel that my nervous system, like downregulated, you know, a little bit into more of a ha kind of feeling. Yes. So, yeah. Yes. And so conscious breathing is just a foundation for becoming braver, to be able to be with ourselves, as you were saying, to hold space in the moment for what's going on. Then we can do it with our loved one. And then we can perhaps, if they're with us and they're vamped up or depressed, we can help them regulate by just being more regulated ourselves. So that's primary. And secondly, we befriend all of our feelings, as we were talking about earlier. We don't just lean into the feelings that we prefer, like happiness or sadness or even anger. Some of us are very comfortable with being angry because it feels more powerful than doing nothing. But if we befriend also, as you were saying earlier, our shame, our guilt, anything that is um, icky, we befriend our experiences, our trauma, and we make friends with what happened. Then we can be informed about What do I want to do next? So we befriend all of our feelings. Another pillar of conscious bravery is to live with a now there's this approach. And what I mean by that is instead of getting everything all settled the way we want it to be and we finally have everything just as we like it, we get attached to that like a lot of us do. Like, okay, ducks in a row. My children are all three doing really well or most of them except one's just a little bit off, but they'll figure it out then we can become attached to that. But really what we want is to have the capacity to flow. The universe is in flow and in flux. And when we become static, we have trouble in our spines. We have health issues. We get fixed and we become worried that that something will change that we can't handle. But really what we want to learn, what conscious bravery is about is that we can handle anything. We have to. Yeah, we have to because it's just, we're in a constant state of change all the time that we can't hold on to anything really. And we have an illusion. I think one of the things that happens for people that are struggling either with mental health or addictions or our loved one, the loved ones who are helping somebody with that is it breaks that illusion. It breaks us out of that illusion that we, we control what's going on in our lives that we have some say in it, you know? And I mean, I think becoming a parent in general does that, but certainly when we're, we're, loving somebody that's that's in a challenging situation, we have to drop this idea pretty quickly. And if we don't, we suffer so much more if we're right. trying to control because it just mm-hmm. doesn't work, right? Right. There's enough pain and suffering that already lands in our worlds and, and globally. And we're in this world that's in constant flux, as you were saying. So we want to be able to say, okay, now there's this, this new thing has happened. And part of how we do that, another pillar of conscious bravery is we know who we truly are and who we are is not our role as a mom or a teacher, an entrepreneur, a leader. Um, we're not who we are in our relationship as a wife or a husband, but who we are is our essence. And it's been who we are since before birth and through this life. And it's not changing. It's it's flowing and in flux, but it's still solid at the same time. And it's who will be into our deaths and beyond. Mm. When we know who we truly are, we can go inside and and when we're doing conscious breathing, we can close our eyes and say, okay, oh, there I am. I'm right here. And we don't have to really even develop a relationship with our essence because it's already who we are. We just want to spend time with our essence in any given moment. So that's another pillar of conscious bravery that helps Mm. us to 
commit and practice even during the devastating moments to be able to come into our beingness and remember there's more than what this 3D is showing me right now. And that's important. Another one, um, bringing steadiness into crisis. Another thing that helps us is to truly know who we aren't and um, who we aren't means that we're not, we're not these people that um, have certain physical traits that, you know, we're not our bodies. Our bodies are these temporary containers. So if we have skin cancer or if we gain weight or lose weight, that's not going to define us. You know, so when we know who we aren't, I'm not just what I look like physically, then we're, we're more graceful and bring more ease to our experience and can offer it to our loved ones who might be healing in some pretty challenging ways. You know, I've watched my sons as they've been rail thin recovering from meth, you know, and really disliking themselves. But if we have that capacity to know who we truly are, we can bring love and compassion into our beingness, into our beings and help ourselves heal. I think that's so beautiful. And I love that there's sort of a thread underneath what what uh, you were talking about that hit me of mindfulness of like mm-hmm. really teaching ourselves to be in the in the now. And I think when we're um, when we've been in relationship with people who are struggling, we can become sort of hyper vigilant, right? And like waiting for the next shoe to drop and kind of living in this. Okay, it's okay for we can't even enjoy the moments that are okay because we're waiting for the next. Mm-hmm. So. Mm. how do we try not to be terrified of the future and live more in the now? Mm -hmm. We become friends with our most challenging emotions and experiences, and we know they're going to occur. We -hmm. quit living in an illusion that we're not going to feel fear, for example. So we make friends with fear. Even fear can be our advisor. It comes in our service to say, hey, there's danger, watch out. And it has things to tell us. Not that we want to live in fear. I'm certainly not a fan of that. I can't stand fear and I can't stand the feeling of helplessness either. But we become friends with our helplessness and we say, what is underneath this? And this is just some of the research in all the therapies, polyvagal theory, Mm -hmm. Stephen Porges. Um, I'm forgetting um, the gentleman who wrote... Uh, about who wrote about and came up with ACT. But anyway, this is all the research about anxiety and our nervous systems. Deb Dana talks about this. So we become able to not just experience fear, but alongside it, we know, hey, I'm going to ground down. So we maybe put our feet on the floor and I'm going to be right here right now. As I listen to fear might be telling me, hey, through my intuition, This happened once before, and you can't trust this person, for example. Maybe it's someone that your loved one has befriended or is taking advice from. So maybe you know that this person can't be trusted, and you're tapping into that. So you listen to that rather than just feeling anxious and panicked. And then maybe not in the moment. You might not say anything because we don't want to enable or manage necessarily or or overstep with our loved ones. But maybe later we ask a question. Like, huh, what do you feel when you talk with that person? And so fear can really inform us and our helplessness can advise us as well. And that's part of how we we do what you're saying. How do we become more brave 
through these tough, tough moments. Wow. Well, thank you so much for this conversation and thank you for writing this beautiful book. And if people wanted to um, be in touch with you or get your book, how would they contact you? I would love people to be in touch with me through my website, PamelaBrinker.com. You can also go to my YouTube channel. So it's YouTube, Pamela Brinker. And if you like it, subscribe there. But you can find lots of blogs and helpful tools and graphics uh, that I've come up with, little helpful tools that you can print out and use at home in your work, in your family, on my website. That's great. And do you have uh, other ways that you work with people besides through your books? Yes, I also do trainings. And so you'll see information about that on my website as well, live sessions and trainings that are coming up. Oh, that's great. Thank you. Wow. Well, thank you for bringing so much of this beautiful conscious bravery, the spirit to this topic, because I think it's a lot. It's a topic where it's something that happens in life where we kind of just want to curl up and die. Like we don't know how we're going to handle it. And, you know, once, never mind, maybe for many years or a lifetime where that we're challenged by these things and mm. to find such an uplifting and hopeful kind of empowering, you know, process to really lean into these things and keep showing up even when it's really hard. I just thought it was great. And I'm so happy you wrote this book and I hope everyone who needs it finds it. Thank you so much. Love is the fiercest force and we can live with vibrancy and protect our happiness. Yeah. Thank you so much, Pamela. And thank all of you for showing up here today and listening in on this incredible conversation. Hey, hit the subscribe button because I know you're going to want even more. And if you want to visit me, come check me out at my website, lisacampion.com. My mission in life is to train psychics, healers, and empaths to fully step into their gifts because I think the world needs all the healers it can get. Um, now more than ever, it's so important. So thank you for being with us today here on The Miracle of Healing, where we are healing the planet one person at a time right here on Mind, Body, Spirit FM. Intuition is our spiritual GPS and the single best tool that we have for navigating our lives. I'm Victoria Shaw, and on my Intuitive Connection podcast, I will share with you the ways to connect with your intuition and awaken the gifts of your soul. In each episode, I'll draw on my own intuitive gifts and my training as an Ivy League trained counselor and psychologist to help support you in reaching your highest potential. Start listening now on Mind Body Spirit FM Podcast Network or wherever you find your podcasts.